Luke chapter 6 and verse number, we'll begin our sermon this morning in verse 27. That went way up real quick. All right, verse 27 down to 36 is the passage that we'll be covering. However, I'm going to focus our attention just here at the beginning on the last verse there, verse 36. Luke chapter 6 and verse 36. And I'd like to preach to you this morning on this topic. My sermon's title is, They Don't Deserve That. They Don't Deserve That. And the passage itself, last Last week, we talked, we ended off in verse 24, 25, and 26 with three woes. And it was basically uh, warning and condemning the rich and the popular. And Jesus was condemning them for the corners that they cut in order to achieve those things. And I don't think it's any secret that many times people achieve riches and popularity through underhanded means. And in so doing, they can become your enemy. And on the heels of that... Verse 27, love your enemies. We'll go through the passage today and then ends in verse 36. Be therefore merciful as your Father also is merciful. That is the heart and soul. When we talk about mercy, we're talking about giving people what they don't deserve. They deserve punishment and we're not going to give it to them. They deserve ill treatment, we're not going to give it to them. They don't deserve your kindness and your love. But that's what God would do, and that's what our Savior expects us to do. So with that, please bow your heads with me. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, help us this morning. We focus our attention now on your word. Lord, I I know every week I need your help to preach, but Lord, this is a tough passage. The words themselves are easy, but Father, what you're asking is a tall order. Help us, Lord, today to take this on, to take this challenge in and to let it change our lives. I pray you'd work amongst us now. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Of all the things that Jesus taught, I think we can make the argument that this is the most radical of all of his teachings. Of anything he said, this is the thing that would stop you, get your attention and go, let me hear that again. (laughs) What exactly did you mean by that? This passage, he is asking so much of his disciples and rightfully so. He's not asking anything of us that he himself did not live out. He gave us the perfect example of what it means. And I think, especially when you understand this within the context of Jesus' time, the Pharisees, the doctors of the law, the teachers of the law back in this time, they had looked at the great commandments of the law. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Remember Jesus breaking it down into those two? And that second commandment there, love your neighbor as yourself, many of these doctors of the law had tried to explain what that really means. They said, well, when when the Bible talks about love your neighbor, we're talking about loving your fellow Jew. We're talking about loving people that are also trying to live right. That's your neighbor. So you might remember on many occasions, people would come to Jesus and say, but who is my neighbor? Remember that question? Because these doctors of the law had tried to work their way around loving people properly. Maybe your neighbor's getting a call now. Loving your neighbor properly. They're trying to find a way around that. And they're not finding a way around that. (laughs) So now Jesus is going to set out here in this passage to deal with that interpretation of the law. 
and explain fully what does it mean to love your neighbor as yourself? What is expected in that second great commandment? And in so, in, in so saying, we're, we're going to see just how deep and how much is expected of us. Now, as we've seen in verse 36, the passage ends with a command for us to be like God. Be therefore merciful as your Father also is merciful. Treating people in a way they don't deserve. I, I think you know, you've heard me mention it before, but just to remind you. Mercy, not receiving the bad that you deserve. So you deserve a punishment, you don't get it. Grace, receiving something good you don't deserve. So you did nothing to earn it, but you get it anyway. Do you see in the way that God sent His Son to die for us, we get both? We don't get the punishment we do deserve, but we get eternal life, right? That's a gift that we didn't earn. So in Christ, we get both mercy and grace. But I must admit, when, it, when he says merciful, right? Be merciful. Okay. If we could only have verse 36, tell you what, my flesh wouldn't buck up against that too much. I'd look at that and think, okay, yeah, sure. I, I like mercy, so I can be merciful to the people I want to be merciful to. Oh, but that's not all there is to the passage. There's so much more. Verse number 27, let's begin to work our way through what he says here. But I say unto you which hear, so <laughs> I, like, I like what he says in, in that phrase, I, I say unto you which hear. He could have just said, I say unto you, but he said, I say unto you which hear, because after he said verse 24, 25, and 26, he probably lost a few listeners. Woe unto you, rich. Woe unto you when all men speak well of you. And certain people, as soon as something like that is said during the sermon, they check out. That's it. They're not going to listen to the rest. So the ones that are still paying attention, he says, all right, guys, let me tell you exactly how we, how we approach this loving business. I say unto you which here, love your enemies. Do good to them which hate you. Bless them that curse you and pray for them which despitefully use you. Love your enemies. It's been preached on so many times. You've heard it. You know it. You, you could all quote this command from the Bible. Easy out the mouth, but very difficult to live out in our lives. A man once came to a pastor, came into that church, and after the service he found the pastor and he said, Pastor, I, I think I need your help. He said, what's going on? He said, well, I'm having some trouble in my marriage. I'm, uh, I've decided to divorce my wife. He said, well, well, what exactly has happened? Is there some infidelity or some, some big tragedy, you know, traumatic thing that happened? He said, well, no, just to be honest, I just don't love her anymore. I've just fallen out of love with her, and I, yeah, I just don't love her. He said, well, you know that the Bible says husbands love your wives. It's a command. It's not a sentimental thing like we heard in Sunday school. You're commanded to put some effort into that and love your wife. And he said, listen, Pastor, I, I know that's in the Bible, but I, I tell you what, you just don't know my wife. And it's a lot more difficult than just, you know, put forth an effort. I, she's a real, she, she's a piece of work, so I don't know about that. And he said, well, if you're struggling there, you know, and you're dead set on divorcing her, why don't you just try this instead? Try a, a temporary separation. Just, just separate from her, move out, and uh, move into the house next to her. And just stay there a while, right next door to her. And he said, Pastor, why, why would I do that? He said, well, you know, I mean, that way you can still be close enough. Things might work out and reconcile. He said, Pastor, I don't think you know who my wife is. Listen, I don't want to see that woman. 
I don't wanna, I don't wanna be around her. It's just, it bugs me. And he said, why would you want me to live next to her? And, and it'd almost be like torture. He said, no, no, that way she'd be your neighbor. And, and you're supposed to love your neighbor. He said, if you can't love her as a wife, you could love her as a neighbor. <laughs> and he said, oh, I, okay, I see what you're getting at, but pastor, listen, I'm telling you, she is not your typical case. She, she's a really difficult person. I tell you, we're, we're to the point now, we're way past just trying to get along. And I, 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 if I see her, just something swells up in me. And just to be honest, pastor, I hate her. I absolutely hate her hate her she just she brings out the worst in me I have this enmity in my heart towards her and the pastor said so you count her your enemy he said oh definitely I do he said wonderful Jesus said love your enemy (laughs) the following Sunday that man went to another church (laughs) tried to find some different advice (laughs) that he might like a little more but you understand the point here you can run from it but the command stands it doesn't matter how awful they are Love your enemy. Love your enemy. Do good to them which hate you. Jesus, it's one thing to ask me to forsake my nets and my boats and to give up fishing to follow you. But now, and think of it in this context, these Romans that are persecuting us, these Samaritans that make fun of us, these rich and popular that look down on us, count us as dogs, treat us like that. You want us to do what to them? How do you want us to respond to that? This was revolutionary thinking. Brand new. The person you despise the most put the most effort into treating them right. Overcome evil with good. There is such a drive in us, our flesh, we look at this and we think, listen, there's, if this person's hating me, despising me, abusing me, smiting me on the cheek, taking my stuff, I demand justice. Your flesh would look at this and say, my enemy does not deserve kindness. And your flesh would be right. They don't. But that's the point. They don't deserve it. And that's what Christ is asking from us. He's asking us to be exactly like God. That's the word godliness, by the way, to be like God. He's asking you to have a godly attitude about this because God Himself, when He looked down on us, we were His enemies. Right? Our sins had separated us from Him. We had insulted Him. We had despitefully used Him. We took Him for granted. We were unthankful, unholy, depraved, wicked, dirty, defiled, every other bad word you can put on us. That's what we were. And on our worst day, God looked down and did us right and treated us with kindness. And now Jesus is saying, this is exactly the way I want you to treat your enemies. If you want the perfect example of it, you look to the cross. Jesus has just been nailed to that cross. And as they... As they hoist him up into the air, the first thing out of his mouth is, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Is that the first thing that comes from your mouth? When your enemy is hating you, cursing you, accusing you, lying about you, gossiping about you, 
I understand the human response. I understand how your flesh would get stirred up and want to react, and, and, and rightfully so, justifiably so. They did this to me, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, insult for an insult. And that's where Jesus says, no, no, no. We don't let the world set the tone for how we treat people. We let God our Father set the tone. We let Him set the pace. We let Him be the example. We're to be like Christ and not like the world. The world will teach us to bite and devour one another. You bit me, I'll bite you back. Bite and devour one another. Isn't the old saying, dog eat dog world? Right. You know that, say, that, that saying actually came from a Latin saying. And in the Latin they would say that dogs do not eat other dogs. And then it got adopted into English somewhere in the 1500s. And they just said dog eat dog. It got short. And, and the reason in Latin dogs do not eat the flesh of other dogs. That was just more of a scientific statement. But then somebody looked at that and thought, well, in the world of business and in the world in general... We are worse than dogs. Because they'll say the business world or you know, society is dog eat dog. That is, you'll do anything to get ahead. And in that kind of world, Jesus says, stop acting like dogs. They're going to try to bite and devour you. And every time they take a bite, every time they bark, you do not respond with a hard heart, but rather the soft heart of God comes out in you. Guys, that is not something that just comes naturally to us. That is something we have to make a purposeful effort to do. To find the people that have wronged us and still make an effort to love them. In verse 29, we have a couple of examples. Unto him that smiteth thee on the one cheek, offer also the other. And him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid not to take thy coat also. You know, if I were to write the Bible, I'd just leave those verses out. <laughs> Lord, you're asking an awful lot. In Matthew's Gospel, right, we have the Sermon on the Mount. And you remember from last week, this is a different sermon, a different occasion, but still the same type of material. And in Matthew's Gospel, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says if they smite you on the right cheek, you turn the other. And, and there's a reason that Jesus points out the right cheek. Most people were right-handed in these days. Even if somebody was naturally left-handed, they would teach them to be right-handed because they had just a you know, hang-up on using the right hand. So to smite somebody on the right cheek, if, if I were to just come like with a right hook with my right hand, I would end up hitting your left cheek. You just think that through for a moment, right? So if I'm coming with my right hand, I would hit your left cheek. But Jesus says if they hit you on the right cheek, give them the other also. Because in order to hit your right cheek, I would have to use my right hand and backhand you. And that was done to insult somebody. Not necessarily to hurt them, but to insult them. Here comes an insult. Whack. You know, your enemy may not do it with their hands. They might do it with their words. What does it say about our Savior? Being reviled, He reviled not again. They slandered you. They hurt you. It wasn't true. The answer is not to slander them back. We don't, we don't go tit for tat. We don't insult for insult. They got something nasty to say about you. Find something good to say. 
Say, but you know the old saying, if you can't find anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. We have a Bible full of nice things to say. We do. We do. And if you can't say anything at all, you can say at least this, I'm praying for you. There was a man one time, uh, got up to, he started an organization based on this thought of loving your enemies, and his name was Sam. Um, his last name escapes me, but this, this man was a pastor, and he, he was preaching about loving your enemies. He said, I want to challenge. He had a bunch of men in front of him. He said, I challenge you men. I want you to think of the person you hate the most, the one that has done you the most wrong, and I'm challenging you to go pray for that person. Genuinely pray that God helps them. Pray for them for 30 days every day. Pray for that enemy. After the service, an ex-Marine came forward, got right up in that pastor's face and said, Pastor, you, I don't think you'll find one man in this room that'll do that. Pray for their enemies for 30 days. Why would we waste time on that? And, you know, ex-Marine, real, you know, man's man, tough guy. And that pastor looked at that man. He said, are you not up to the challenge? Well, you don't say that to an ex-Marine. <laughs> that Marine said, well, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. I, I can do it. He said, okay, go Go pray for that one that you hate the most. Pray for him for 30 days, and then after that, come and find me. And he did. That ex-Marine went home, started praying for that person he hated the most, and after 30 days, came back to that church, said, Pastor, I want to get saved. In the, in the process of those 30 days, he had realized he had been looking at life all wrong, and his heart softened so much he said, I, I'm nothing like Christ, but I want to be more like him. And that's what led to that man getting saved. He got saved that day. A few weeks later, God called him into the ministry. He ended up a pastor himself and for the rest of his life served God faithfully because he took the challenge to pray for his enemy for 30 days. To employ this depth, the, the amount of obedience that this takes, the amount of effort, it is life-changing. It is life-changing. Now, the eye, maybe a question or two comes up, and I understand these questions. What about eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth? That is in the Bible, right? Are we not allowed to go to court? I mean, if somebody hits us, do, should we just take that? Are we not allowed to defend ourselves? If somebody is taking away our coat, are we not allowed to protect our other possessions? Should we just let people steal from us? These verses do not do away with the court system. Right? And, and God has built it into society where there are, there are uh, people set up to protect us. Policemen, there's a judicial system. I know that it's corrupt. And that's why Jesus is not against, listen, you go to court, you're allowed to answer for yourself. Didn't Paul go to court in the book of Acts? He went to court, he stood up, he answered for himself, he gave an explanation. But at the end of the day, if they're going to throw out insults and cheat you, and you've gone through the legal process and tried to do it right, and they're still going to take it away, then what you have to look at and say, God, the testimony of Christ is more important than my possessions. And I would rather lose my goods than lose my testimony. You see, there's a general thought being taught here. Some general truths that will always apply. Your attitude, the condition of your heart is more important than what you own. Now think of all the effort you've put in, you have put into getting what you own. And people will fight tooth and nail to keep it, whether it's riches or 
popularity, reputation. They will fight tooth and nail to make sure that they have what they've, they've earned. And don't anybody take it away. Don't you dare chip away at my reputation. But what's more important is that soft heart. You say, but these people are cheating. They don't deserve to get away with this. That's right, they don't deserve that. But keeping a soft heart and remembering what's truly important is being like God, not having everything that you want. Some years ago, I, as you know, I lived in Malawi for a while, pastor, ministered there, started a few churches. One of the men that I trained, he and I work, worked together, walked together for years, pastored you know, one of our churches, and towards the end of my time there, I, I could tell something wasn't quite right with him. I went to him eventually and said, uh, brother, I'm, I'm heading down to South Africa. God's moving me out. I said, uh, listen, you just keep going on with the church, this and that, and you know, we talked about it. Well, come to find out a few weeks later, he started to accuse me of stealing from him and that I, you know, he had built one of our churches, like he was a builder, a contractor, you know, so he'd, he said I didn't pay him, which none of that stuff was true. I had paperwork for all of it. He decided to take me to court. Did you know there's a verse in 1 Corinthians 6 about going to court with a, with a brother? You're not supposed to do it. The Bible says there, suffer yourself to be defrauded. Now, I knew that verse was in the Bible, but I had never been challenged to keep it. It just so happened that I was very sick at the time as well. I had my seventh case of malaria, and I, it was the worst case I had had. I was, you know, I don't know if you know how malaria works, but for one hour, I'm just shaking, shivering in bed. It's 45 degrees outside, and I, I'm... I have four blankets on and I just can't get heat. And then the next moment, I'm sweating profusely and I can't get, it just goes back and forth. And I did that for about a week. It, it was a rough time. And in the midst of that, he went and got the lawyer and started all the proceedings. And I, I said, listen, brother, I am not going to go to court with you. I said, just, just tell me, because the testimony of Christ, the testimony of our church was more important than me getting my stuff. We had just sold every possession we had because we were leaving Malawi. You know what that man asked? He said, give me everything. That wasn't right. <laughs> I didn't want to say yes. He didn't deserve that. I said, all right, God. You didn't ask me to obey you when it was easy. You asked me to obey you also when it's difficult. And there's a verse in the Bible that I'm supposed to obey. He's asking for my coat and my cloak. And I would rather be able to say at the end of the day that I loved him, that I prayed for him, and that I obeyed you than walking away with my goods in my hand saying, see, at least I got what, I, at least I got what was right for me. He took it all. We had to completely start over. You know what I found? I walked away from that situation with a broken heart, but not because my stuff was gone. I felt bad for him. And I prayed for him. I prayed for him constantly. You see, the Bible says vengeance belongs to God. Justice is not our business. There's a court system for justice on this earth 
There's a court system with God after this earth. Does that make sense? After this life. Justice is not my business. Vengeance belongs to the Lord, not to me. I said, God, all right. I'll pray for him. And I did. I felt bad. You know, a few years later, he joined politics. (laughs) Seemed a fitting move. (laughs) And a couple years later, he died. Relatively young man. I don't rejoice in that happening. I feel horrible that it turned out that way. But I can at least look back at that and think through that situation, Lord, I didn't like doing it, but I did what you told me to do. I loved that guy. I prayed for that guy. I didn't like him. Is that okay? Am I allowed to say that? I didn't like him. I know a lot of you would like to amen that really loud right now. Because you're thinking of some people probably right now going, man, if if so-and-so in my life did that, I don't know. I didn't like him. You're not commanded to like him. You don't have to hang out with him. But you have to love him. That is to genuinely care about what's best for him. Yeah? Verse number 30 Give to every man, guys, my microphone just shot up again. Give to every man that asketh of thee, and of him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. Lord, how can this be right? Why why would you want us to do that? Now, again, this does not cancel out the other verses in the Bible that says give with discretion. You, You are allowed to use some sense. When somebody asks for something, you can pray about it and think whether or not it's a good idea to help them. We had some lessons on that recently. Remember the tricky topics about helping the poor? But you know what verse 30 is really talking about, I believe? Have you ever helped somebody out, really generously helped them out, only to find out later that they were abusing your kindness? And you look back and you go, I gave them all of this time and all of these resources. And the temptation, right, from a human natural standpoint is to go back, go over to their house and say, hey, Uh, Give it back. (laughs) You are not worthy of what I gave you. Sometimes you'll even find out that they've lied to you to get that stuff. You have a unique opportunity. A unique opportunity to be like God. Because you know what we've done to the Lord over and over again? God has given us stuff and given us stuff and given us stuff and we were not worthy of it. Right? Right? And, and in hindsight, God looks back and says, man, I have blessed you beyond measure abundantly, and now you haven't even turned back to say thank you. You know what God could do? He could step in right away and go, hey, hey, just give it back. <laughs> but he doesn't. God's dial, his default setting, his dial is set to generosity. And then when we don't thank him for it, patience and mercy Aren't you glad that God's first move is not justice? Aren't you glad that He is slow to wrath? Aren't you glad that His first thought is mercy and kindness and grace? Aren't you glad that's how God deals with us? That's exactly what Christ is asking for us here. Sometimes you have to choose between justice and mercy. And Jesus is commanding us to choose mercy. Verse number 31, as you would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. This is what we call the golden rule. 
Those in business will say the, that, that the guy who has the gold makes the rules. That's the golden rule. That's, that's not the golden rule. The golden rule, as ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. You say, well, Pastor Mike, this is quite easy then. I would like for men to treat me fairly. I would like for them to do what's right and, and, and justice and judgment. I want things to be nice and square. No, you don't. You say, but no, 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 if, if I've sinned, I don't mind you know, taking my punishment. Oh, don't say that. <laughs> you have no idea what you deserve. People say, well, I just want what's right. No, you don't. No, you don't, because if you want what's right, you wouldn't be sitting here right now. If you got what was rightfully coming to you, the wages of sin is death. You don't want what's rightfully coming to you. All of us deep down really want a lot of mercy. Personally, it's just whenever our, it's whenever our neighbor does it to us, then, well, now I want justice. <laughs> says if you're on the receiving end of it verse 31 you really want mercy verse 32 to 34 it's all kind of works as one passage here for if you love them which love you what thank have ye for sinners also love those that love them and if you do good to them which do good to you what thank have ye for sinners also do even the same and if you lend to them of whom you hope to receive what thank have ye for sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. You notice there's one thing in all three verses. What thank have ye? What thank have ye? What he's commanding us to do here is to go above and beyond. Kind of like my microphone is going above and beyond. <laughs> it's, it's all over the place today. That's all right. If somebody comes and does good to you, then you do good right back to them. You've kind of canceled each other out, and that's why he says, what thank have you? You haven't gone above and beyond. There's really nothing special that you've done. You've, you've done the obvious. Somebody scratched your back, now you're scratching their back, and, you know, everything is square. But what about that guy who didn't do you any good? That guy who cannot give back to you after you've lent to him? What about helping that guy when he's at his absolute worst? That, that's going above and beyond. Listen to what Paul said, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. Now, question, were you righteous or good before you came to Christ? You say, well, I was trying. I was making an effort. I went to church. I didn't ask that. Were you righteous and good in the sight of God? Did God look down on you and go, now there's a great guy. Scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Peradventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't die for us on our good day. He died for us when we were at our absolute worst. When we were ungodly, without strength, that's when he came and died for us. When we were treating him as bad as a person could be treated. He was despised and rejected of men, smitten of God and afflicted. And what did the people say? Away with him, crucify him. We have no king but Caesar, absolutely rejected him. We couldn't have cared less that he was dying in our place. And yet he hung there and said, forgive them. They know not what they do. 
He didn't love us on our best day. He loved us on our worst. You know what? Your spouse, your kids, your coworkers, your boss, they're going to have some bad days. You know what? The fact that you love them when they're being lovable, what thank have ye? Some days it's easy. But a disciple of Christ is going to love them when it's not easy. When the commandment is hard to follow. When your kids are getting on your nerves. When your boss just needs a good <laughs> on the mouth. We, listen, we all have those days. There's going to be a day when you need a rap <laughs> on the mouth too. Loving somebody on the bad days. Now you've stepped out of the world's kind of love and into the Christ kind of love. To give somebody what they don't deserve. That is loving them on a bad day. Being nice to a jerk. That's a challenge and a half. A few weeks ago, we, uh, this is just what two weeks ago now I guess, a couple Saturdays ago, we're out in, in the built doing some witnessing. And Christina was going to go to another event, but the Lord kind of put it on her heart rather to come with me first and go witnessing with me. So we were in the built together, and her and I walked together, and we kind of trotted through the park, and we ended up, I, forgive me, I don't know the name of the street, but heading up towards the main gate of the university campus. And, you know, that's a quiet little area back there. It can be. There's not a lot of foot traffic. And it just so happened. I had handed a track to a lady and talked with her and helped her, and she broke down crying, gave me a big hug, and it was a good moment. And uh, I actually witnessed her in Afrikaans. I remember that. Yeah, the whole thing, because she didn't speak any English. So, wow, praise God for that. <laughs> One of those mountaintop moments. But then she walked off, and it was just me, Christina, and this other gentleman, if I can use the term loosely. He was just standing over by the fence, and he was kind of kicking the dirt around with his foot, you know. You could tell he'd been out in the streets for a while and just moved. I, I walked over to him and said, uh, what you looking for? He said, ten rand. I said, did you drop it? He said, ah, no, just looking. And, and he was kind of dodgy, kind of suspicious, but I thought, well, everybody needs to hear the gospel. Get, took a track that, and I said, well, here, I'm, I don't know if you were looking for this, but here's something to look at. Uh, here's a question on the front. If you died today, you go into heaven, and we started talking. And we talked and we talked and he said, ah, but I have a very difficult life and you know, I, I left home and then I quit school and then he gave me the whole story. Right about that time, more of here, you know, the security pulls up and er, Christina goes over to him, everything okay here? We see, you know, something, conversation going on. No, no, everything's fine. And, just, and even this guy turned and said, ah, we're talking about God. Hey, we're talking about God. <laughs> I said, okay, okay. Now, I don't always do this. Please don't think this is how it always goes, but the Lord had put it on my heart. I, I try, you should try to be sensitive as you talk to people in, in case there's something special the Lord wants you to do. I knew I had 50 rand in my wallet, so I took my wallet out. I said, listen, man, if you come to church or not, that, that's your decision. If you want to accept Christ, change your life, that's your decision. But the Lord's put it on my heart. I just want to help you out. 
I want to make sure you get some food today, and I want, you, I want you to get it honest. So here you go. Here's 50 rand. And that man, he, you could tell, he, it took his breath away. He looked at that. He looked at me. Why? He didn't deserve that. What has he done for me? You think he's ever going to pay me back? No. Didn't want it. You know what that man did? He reached into his pocket and he pulled out a big knife. Big sharp knife. Right in front of my face. Dropped it on the ground. Kicked it in the dirt off to the side. He said, I am done with this life. I just want God. I had no idea he had a sharp knife in his pocket. I'm so glad I had backup. Because <laughs> if I had been on that street alone, that could have ended a little differently, a lot differently. Loving somebody on their worst day might just change their life. Because, listen, you're, we want to get their attention. If, you're, if, if they've done good to you and you do good back, you're not getting their attention. But when they have been ugly to you and in response to that, you are nice to them, that's attention grabbing. Whoa, why are you doing this to me? Verse number 34. And if you lend to them of whom you hope to receive, what thank have ye for sinners? Also lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love ye your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again and your reward shall be great and ye shall be called or ye shall be rather the children of the highest for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil I'm not helping people in order to get helped I'm helping people because Christ told me to I'm not being nice to people because they're nice to me I'm nice to them because God told me to I'm going to go out of my way to try to be a blessing to somebody this week, not because they deserve it or because I'm trying to get something out of it, because Christ told me to. You'll, you'll be surprised how much this will drastically change your workplace, your classroom, and your home. Go home and treat your spouse, treat your kids the way God commanded you to do. Don't wait for them to be worthy of it. They don't deserve it. They never will. Just go home and love them like Christ taught you to love them. Why? He told you to. And it says, your reward shall be great. I'm hoping for nothing in return. Whether they are nice to me in return is inconsequential. All I'm hoping to get out of this is to be able to say at the end of the day, God, you told me to do it and I did it. I did it because I love you. He says here, your reward shall be great. Is there any greater reward than being able to say at the end of the day, I did what God told me to do? You go to bed able to say that, you've had a good day. Say, I lost my job. People cheated me. I don't have anything. They took it all. What did Job say when they took it all? And they did. They took it all. He lost it all. The Lord gives. And the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Why? Because Job was not interested in reputation and things. It wasn't the stuff. It was his relationship with God that came first. So they can take the stuff, have the stuff. As long as my heart stays right with God. 
God can give me back the stuff if he wants me to have the stuff. But I want to be able to go to bed at night saying, today I acted like God. God is nice to people. He's kind to people when they are unthankful and, un- and evil. When they are unlovable, God still loves them. And today I was like God. That's a good day. Say, I lost it all. They took it all. They cheated me. Yeah, but you acted like God. You obeyed God. That's a good day. Because at the end, when you stand before God, that's all that's going to matter. God, I did what you told me to do in that situation. God is not going to judge you based on how your enemy reacted to you. He's going to judge you based on how you reacted to them. Does that make sense? He said, but I've got to change their mind. I've got to make them love me. No, you don't. You just have to love them. That's as far as your responsibility goes. What they do with that is between them and God. But do your part. I I thought long and hard about different stories that would illustrate this to close this sermon. And I, I, I kept coming back to one story that I think illustrates it best. It's a story you know very well. May I take you for a moment to the foot of the cross? Because if there's ever a story that illustrates somebody loving others that don't deserve to be loved, it's right there at the cross of Calvary. Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. I think it's legitimate to say, God, do I have to be nice to that person? (laughs) Is there any way around that? But Lord, if you want me to be nice, I will. If you need me to pray for him, I will. God, break my heart. Help me to feel about that person the way you do. Just put yourself at the foot of the cross, just just for a moment. And just look up and look straight into Jesus' eyes. Now listen, they're swollen, so you're not going to be able to see his eyes very clearly. But you'll see, if you look at his face, the tears running down. If you can see that just for a moment, and there's dirt all over his face, so the tears have cut a little valley through his cheeks here. You can see where the tears have fallen down. The beard has been ripped out, so please notice that. That is, his face is swollen. There's a crown of thorns. And just look up at that face. And know that you're there at the foot of the cross by invitation. You didn't earn this. But he is inviting you. And you look up and, and, and say, Lord, I don't, why are you doing this? He's because I love you. But Lord, there's nothing lovable about me. You know what I've done? I know everything you've done. And I still love you this much. But Lord, what if I fail you again? I'm still going to love you anyway. I'm going to love you to the end. And I want you to remember, no matter what you do, What I'm doing here on the cross for you always stands. This love never goes away. So as as long as I'm loving you, as long as my love is in you, I want this love to flow through you to others. Now if you'll start your day at the foot of the cross reminding yourself of how much he loved you, it'll be a lot easier for you to love your enemy. Be therefore merciful, verse 36, as your Father also is merciful. 
The strongest man is not the one who conquers his enemies out of hatred, but who conquers the hatred he feels for his enemies. And I conquer that because God showed me how. He showed me how by sending His Son to die for me when I was unlovable. Let's all stand, if we would, please, just for a moment. Let's have our head bowed and eyes closed. The pianist will come and play something softly. If there's anything that will challenge your faith, it will be this topic. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Let's just take a moment to consider this. May I give you that challenge that was given years ago to that ex-Marine. Think of that person that you are troubled with the most, most difficult. Now would you pray for that person for the next 30 days? 30 days. God tells us to give money. Okay, God, I'll give money. God says, come to church. All right, I'll come to church. Go tell somebody the gospel. All right, I'll go tell them the gospel. We don't know them. Coming to church? Okay. I got some friends there. I'll come to church. And then God says, all right, that, that thing that you despise and hate, that, that, that person go treat them right. Ooh, 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 ooh. That's the tough one. I think sometimes we forget just how unlovable we were. Uh, let me say are. Maybe we take for granted the mercy that God's given us. We probably all do to a certain extent. How could we ever appreciate that enough? Maybe you're struggling with this topic. And maybe the reason for that is, is you've never come to the cross and said, Lord, I deserve to be punished. There's no reason you should love me like that. But today, Lord, I, I want to receive you as my Savior. I've seen it today, just how sinful I am. I don't deserve what you're doing for me. If you've never done that, today you can admit that as a sinner, you are an enemy of God. And then accept the fact that He still loves you anyway. Just a moment, we'll close. But if you have questions about that, I would encourage you to please find me afterwards. We'd love to help you with it. We'll show you how to be saved and know it. Father, thank you for the opportunity this morning to talk and preach about this difficult subject. And Lord, I tread lightly because I know how difficult it can be. I'm asking, Lord, that you'd uh, help us with it. 
remind us, to take us daily to the cross and remind us of just what it looks like to love those that are unlovable. Lord, none of us like having enemies. We don't want people to despitefully use us, abuse us. Lord, uh, you, you do tell us to be wise and prudent about how we guide our affairs. But Lord, at the end of the day, we're satisfied. We are content with godliness to just do it the way you do it. To be kind to those that don't deserve it. And perhaps, Lord, somebody here is not saved. I'm just asking that you'd work in that heart. Stir them, Lord. Let them see just how much they need what Jesus did for them on the cross. Fathers, you dismiss us. Help us, Lord, to take seriously that challenge now of loving and praying for our enemies. We do this because you've commanded us to do it. Father, we thank you for the great love wherewith you love us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, you guys have a wonderful afternoon.